hello, and welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female. I am your host, Paola Rosser, and this week my guest is Chrissy Janiga. She is a sober and mindset coach who is a social worker by day and by night is helping women get sober. She recently wrote her first children's book called Miranda Learns the Art of Not Fitting In. I'm excited to have Chrissy here today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. So tell us about your fearless female journey. Yeah, so... My journey began in January of 2022, although I guess I really didn't start there. So I am sober and, you know, I if you would have asked me two years ago if I would have stopped drinking red wine and wrote a children's book, I would have been like, you're crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, drinking really didn't impact me until somewhere in my 30s, probably I would say my mid-30s. Okay. And, you know, and I started to feel really off and wasn't sleeping well and was, you know, just thinking something's wrong with me. I'd black out. I would have, you know, and I would have times where I just found that drinking was so problematic. Mm -hmm. However, because everyone around me drank too, and because I didn't quote unquote identify as an alcoholic, I felt that I just didn't know what was going on and I felt like there was maybe something wrong with me, but I didn't meet this definition. Yeah. And, you know, I, I tried to moderate and do all the things. And, you know, I wasn't a drinker that drank every night and, you know, I was more a weekend drinker. So in January of 2022, I really just decided it was time to try to maybe not drink for a while and really explore my relationship with alcohol. Yeah. I think alcohol is such a topic because um, my dad was an alcoholic. And so it's crazy to say that he was an alcoholic because I don't, I never saw him that way. I, it's not like he was like, for me, when I picture an alcoholic, I picture somebody with like a, a 40 in a brown bag and is just mm -hmm. disheveled and can't speak and, you know, hasn't showered in days. But honestly, like alcohol is one of those tricky things where it's very socially accepted. And yes. it's marketed to us so like on a regular basis, not just through commercials, but through movies and television shows. And like, you know, I once went sober for an entire year and watching like the Real Housewives. I'm like, shit, I want a martini. Like I want like, <laughs> you know, a mimosa. It's really one of those things that like it's so socially accepted, you know, and then the holidays come, birthdays. It's like every single event involves alcohol. And so when you're saying like you never really thought of yourself as like an alcoholic or that you had a problem with it because, you know, when you're drinking on the weekends or when you're drinking on at an event, it doesn't feel like you have a problem. You Like you said, you weren't like blacking out midday on a Tuesday or something, you were just exactly. regular. Like everybody who's listening to this is probably thinking like, I'm not an alcoholic because we're just weekend drinkers or I only drink at someone's birthday or wedding or whatever. But alcohol can become a mm -hmm. problem and a coping mechanism for us when we're not becoming aware of how much we start using it as a crutch. And I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I think that you know, it's such an unpredictable beverage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've heard so many people tell me, well, it didn't start impacting me until this thing happened where they got a divorce because they started drinking more. Um, so I don't also think you have to have like the stereotypical childhood where your parents drink all the time, right? Because my parents, you know, growing up, I rarely ever saw them drink. 
And so for me, I think it started to impact me likely because on the weekends we would drink more and Mm -hmm. it was just something we lived on the lake and we would drink all the time on the weekends and maybe not every weekend, like super heavy. But for me, it was impacting me to the point where it was, you know, disrupting my sleep. I was getting anxious. I was feeling like it wasn't letting me complete my goals. And, you know, I think there's a lot of shame and guilt because, well, everyone else is around me is doing what I'm doing, but why am I the one that's having all these issues? So you Mm -hmm. feel alone. And after I've talked to so many people, I think a lot of people feel the same way. And, and I think it's really important to know that because it often feels like you're alone on the journey. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you have to have some terrible problem. I think if it's not serving you, paying attention to that. Okay. I'm feeling like I'm not in line with the things I want to do in my life. And that's exactly how I felt. And that's enough to maybe question something that's going on and not looking at it from a point where I'm bad or something wrong with me. Now, of course, you know, hopefully people are safe and we're not driving and drinking, of course. But I think with alcohol being so addictive and it's a drug, but then it's like you said, it's marketed so that it does something for us, right? Like it helps yeah. with something. Yeah, I, I think it's such a big lie, though, because it, I personally, like my 20s, woo, I was drinking like seven to 10 drinks a night to hang out with my yep. friends, you know, like going to the clubs, going to Vegas, all the things. And then, it, like you said, I think it changes as you get older. You know, when you're 20, your your immune system and your energy levels, like you can hang, you could definitely hang. Um, but when you start turning 30, it does start to change. And then in your 40s, mm-hmm. I'm 43. It's like, I can't have more than one drink. I can't. I physically cannot. Like the anxiety that I get and then the sugar that is in the drinks. And even then I still try to drink like just vodka with water and a squeeze of lemon because I I physically can't. My body can't take it. I lose sleep. I have anxiety. I have self-doubt, fear, all the stuff. I don't like the way I feel. And so but it's it's crazy when you are out for dinner or out with friends and everyone's like on their first, on their second, and they're trying to pour you another one. And you're like, I I don't want one. What's wrong with you? Are you sick? Are you pregnant? I'm on medication, you know? And then that's the thing. It's like, I love that you said you don't have to have like a crazy childhood or a parent who is an alcoholic, or you don't have to have to go- gone through like a traumatic event, like a divorce or something to say, hey, this isn't working for me. Like, it's not making me feel good. Mm-hmm. It's like we're banging our head against the wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't feel good. Well, then stop banging your head against the wall. And that's pretty much what you're saying, right? Absolutely, 100%. And I think the one thing that, you know, might sound so silly, but the one thing that I really didn't think I could do, and because alcohol was so normalized, I'm 40, but when I was in my 30s, there wasn't really a lot of this whole sober community with people are, you know, maybe gray area drinkers where they're not necessarily have severe alcohol use disorder, but they also aren't like someone that has like a glass of wine every six months or somewhere in this this gray middle. I didn't think I could actually stop drinking. I thought I didn't know that was an option. And that sounds like insane, but when I was I tried to moderate and do all these things. And some people, sure, some people are really okay with that and they can do that. But the problem I found was the same with you is that sometimes the amount I would drink, I would be totally fine. I would go out the next time and drink the exact same amount and I would have such 
horrible consequences. Mm. And that was, I think, the issue is that it was just so, un, like I said, unpredictable that by stopping was actually like all this mental energy went away because oh. I didn't have to worry about it. Or come up and, with excuses. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I tried. I'm, I'm sure people tried this. Okay, I'm going to drink water after every time I drink. And then, you know, with the addictive nature of alcohol, yeah, after you're buzzed or, you know, you're to actually be responsible to do that is it's really difficult. Yeah. I listen to a lot of Dr. Amen videos mm-hmm. um, and Dr. Amen, who is a, um, a, I guess, like a brain, not a surgeon, because he just studies the brain here in Orange County and he gives people brain scans and he mm-hmm. tells them like, you know, the damage that alcohol and marijuana and drugs and what it happens. Also, tra- post-traumatic stress disorder and like anybody who's, you know, been through anything traumatic, your brain really is affected. And I just watched a video the other day where he says, even one alcoholic drink affects your brain. And that's the thing is like, people don't understand just how alcohol is as bad as any other drug, but like, it's more normalized in Mm -hmm. society. Like, have a drink, have a beer, have wine, have this. And and in every holiday, it's like, oh, have a red wine with your steak for Christmas dinner and have a mimosa for your, you know, Thanksgiving breakfast. It's like you're constantly being marketed these drinks and these mm-hmm. alcohol. And when you try to say, hey, I don't want any, it really does make you feel like you're an outsider and there's something wrong with me. Why can't I handle my alcohol like everyone else? Everyone else seems to be doing very well on it. But then at the same time, like you said, it's very lonely because you don't want to express like, actually, this isn't working. I'm having major anxiety here. <laughs> right? And, yes. And I think that as humans, we, you know, we crave a connection. All of us need different things. So I think that part of it is really that we don't want to feel like we're the outsiders. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you, I officially stopped drinking, like said, like I took mass, I took breaks, I took tons of breaks. Like I took a six month break drink again. And each time I would drink, I would feel how it would actually impact me. And I think, you know, when I decided to eventually say in November of 2022, I am done drinking. Um, Like I said, not only the weight was lifted off my shoulders, but, you know, as the months go on, I am now, I proudly say I don't drink. And I think I've normalized it a lot within like my circle, but I think, you know, there's different steps and so even if it feels really sticky right now to tell people, I don't want to drink, you know, that's why I think that connection and working with people and knowing you're not alone is so crucial because yeah. there's so many steps I feel like to be get become sober that, you know, and it's not a one size, you know, fits all shot, right? Some people need more of the mindset. Some people need something else. So there's so many different components that I've dealt with. You know, and I remember even during month two, I think like my higher self like knew that this was the mm. path I needed to take. My intuition was like for literally, like literally the my majority of my 30s, I thought about stopping a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I realized that that's what that was. But I think that this like this whole process has taught me like with my mindset. And like, like I said, in month two, I had like terrible anxiety terrible anxiety about thinking about how I would do vacations without drinking, how I would do everything. 
And it, it's taken a long time to really think drastically different. Yeah, it does. It's a it it's a definite mindset shift. I've done one year long sober. I've done three months every once in a while. Um, now I'm just down to like, I'll just have one drink and that's it. And I can't do more than that. And I tell people, I just don't like feeling like crap the next day. I'm sorry, but I like to wake up and go for my walk and I like to feel normal. I don't like the anxiety. I like to sleep. I'd rather have sleep than have and two or three more alcoholic drinks. But yeah, there's so many times where when I am taking a break and I tell my friends like uh, they're like, oh, you want to drink? And I'm like, no, I, I'm not drinking. Why? Like <laughs> They don't get it. You know, they do make you feel completely like a stranger. Like, what do you mean you're not drinking? And I also think it's got a lot to do with shame. Um, and so they try to shame you into doing what they're doing. But it's like I'm at now I'm 43, so I don't really care. Like I you can try to tell me all you want, but I know what I want to feel like. And I don't want to f- spend the rest of the next day like nursing a hangover. I hate that feeling. And I, the last time I drank so, so much, it was like during 2020. Um, and, you know, we couldn't see anybody. We couldn't hang out with anybody. And I have a beautiful pool in my backyard. Um, and I don't know what it is about water, but everybody wants to drink when you're around a body of water, <laughs> whether it's the big soaker. That is so true. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but if, no matter where you are, if you're near a body of water, everybody wants to have a cocktail. Um, and so we had invited people over to our house for a pool party. We're like, finally, like, we'll just have like one family over. So, cause we're, you know, yearning for that human connection. And we just drank and drank and drank and drank. And I just, I remember, I literally do not remember leaving the pool area, going upstairs and going to sleep. Like I blacked out. And the only way that I remembered was I had to go through my cameras to see. And the entire, when I woke up, like probably around one in the morning, I remember feeling so bad. I was like, what did I say? Did I make a fool of myself? Mm -hmm. Did I say goodbye to my friends? Like, are they mad at me? Are they still going to be my friends? And I just remember feeling so like completely out of my body and not myself that I was like, like almost kind of like rocking back and forth on my bed and my husband was like what's wrong what's wrong I was like I don't like this feeling I don't like the feeling of not having control of not remembering of uh of maybe making a fool of myself and he was like everything's gonna be fine you're gonna you're good you were funny don't worry about it you know they try to like make you feel good about what you did but I just remember that was the last time. And I told my husband, I will never again get to this place where I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm incoherent, where I have no clue what happened the day before. I refuse to be that person again. Like, I don't ever want to do that anymore. And since then, I've taken many breaks from alcohol where I just like, I don't want to. I have no desire to sit and have a cocktail while I'm watching TV. I just don't. I don't want to feel like crap the next day. And I think you have to yourself get to that point to make that decision. Nobody can make it yes. for you. Um, back in the day when um, my dad died of alcoholism, I did use alcohol as a crutch to to kind of like get through the grieving process. But I remember even then I thought I was an alcoholic. I was like, maybe I have the gene and, yeah. and I'm an alcoholic. And I even went to an AA meeting and I sat there and I was like, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. <laughs> As I'm listening to everybody's stories, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. I'm okay. I can handle this. But sometimes you can't handle it. 
Sometimes you need that support. You need people around you to be your support network so that on the days where you feel like you can't handle it, you know, you could do other things. Life is, there's so many more things in life to drink. <laughs> you can have a nice coffee. You can have a nice tea. You can have like a nice mocktail, still have all the yeah. juices and stuff. I mean, you don't have to feel left out. No, and I, I think I would touch base and I, I've heard before, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad too, that that's awful. And I think actually you're definitely not alone with that experience. People, you know, even people that maybe don't drink that much, they have like a life experience, like, you know, losing someone and they have turned to alcohol and alcohol is like, you know, like I said, it's a very addictive, but then it's a habit, like a habit, the more we do it, like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we crave it. And so I think you made a good point of like just how it can kind of take us by hold at any age, really. So I think that's definitely something important to note because, you know, we don't, again, there doesn't have to be some stereotype of how you are supposed to be. And so I, I do think that is important to note. But again, yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Oh, it's okay. Uh, everybody goes through their own journey. And honestly, because I feel like my dad was not in a great place in life. And so I, he used alcohol as that like escape. And that's a, what I talk about all the time with my clients and the people here on the podcast is we're constantly looking for outside, you know, things to self-regulate our nervous yeah. system. And when we don't learn that as a child, how to self-regulate our nervous systems and how to handle our emotions, the big ones, the small ones, or especially when you're going through something traumatic like the loss of a death, a death in the family or the loss of a job or a husband, you tend to reach for things to help you yes. outside of you. And alcohol is the one thing that is like readily available everywhere Everyone, almost every single household has it, even if you're not a very big drinker. It is everywhere. It's a billion-dollar industry. And it's very, very looked upon as, you know, the solution. I mean, in every situation you see in movies, like, oh, you broke some, you broke up with somebody? Let me bring a bottle of wine to your house, right? Uh, you know, you're moving into a new house. Let me bring you a bottle of alcohol to celebrate your new home. Anything, everything that you can think of, a birthday party, a christening, like <laughs> a wedding, like a funeral. I, I actually used to be a bartender and I kid you not, I got hired to be a bartender for a funeral. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh, that doesn't surprise me. Right. It doesn't surprise me. Weird. It, it is. It is the most consumed thing that we're doing as, you know, humans. And honestly, like I just watched this video where they talk about how when you drink alcohol, your vibrational frequency gets yep. so low that you are just like you said, you black out. You don't even know who you are. And in those moments, it could be very scary. Absolutely. I think. I want to touch on both because those are like such important topics, but the subconscious. So I think that when we look at making change, whether it's alcohol or whatever we're trying to change, part of it is you're absolutely right. We see advertisements and, and you know, obviously magazines are, I don't, I mean, they're still there, but not a biggest, the, the biggest thing now is really more social media or movies or, you know, so, but alcohol is portrayed in a certain way. And like on a subconscious level, we absorb that. So like, mm -hmm. I think when we try to stop drinking, 
it's why so many people, you know, when they know the alcohol is bad for them and they want to quit, but then they can't quit. Part of it is the subconscious. There's a lot of buried things that you have to kind of impact, you know, and get rid of and, and kind of explore. So it can be really, you know, challenging, but you're absolutely right. What we see all the time over and over again definitely impacts our subconscious. Yeah. Definitely impacts us. And it makes it feel normalized. Like it's okay. Everybody does it. Everybody drinks when this happens. Everybody, you know, they do, they shove a drink down your throat. Like, hey, you're going through a breakup here. Have some wine. That'll make you feel better. No, it doesn't. It never did. I never yeah. felt better after. I felt even worse after, you know? Oh, hey, there. Yeah. yeah, you feel even worse. So I truly don't use alcohol anymore as a crutch. Thank God. I do have like a drink here and there, but not the way I used to. And I think at some point in my life, I probably will be completely sober because I'm just kind of like, it's what's the point? What what's the point of it? <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that's like beautiful too. That you kind of you're in a good place. You're kind of you're great with kind of where you're at. And I think that's the, the thing that we can always do. We can always change our goals and the things we want. But you're absolutely right when you said that before. It's it's you can't force people to do it. And with the intuition, you know, it's so funny because I didn't really understand intuition very much until I stopped drinking. And like I said, I didn't realize my intuition was telling me to stop drinking. And if we think about it, all of us are intuitive. And I know you talk about this a lot too on your podcast, but I think we don't realize that we're busy, we're kind of an autopilot, and we don't pay attention to all the, those intuitive hits. And so once I stopped drinking, and this is going to sound really crazy, um, well, you won't think it's crazy, but um, <laughs> after I decided I'm going to stop drinking, I felt really good. I was taking a walk, and I was just thinking about things, and I heard myself say, and now I knew if this was actually a part of my intuition. Mm-hmm. I used to just think it was just gut feelings and I didn't realize there were so many different components to intuition. But I heard myself say doors, doors will open if you stop drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it was like the craziest experience because it was like, I, it was my voice, but it was like in my head. It was yeah. weird. I've never, but not like your higher yes. self. It's like yeah. your higher self telling you like, hey, you, are you ready? Like, are you ready to go to this you know, this level or you're going to stay here. And that's the thing. I, I truly believe that all time exists at the same time, like all versions of who we want to be exist at the same time. It's are we looking for that version of us? Yes. You know, like the version of you that's sober, the version of you who's like making the money, the version of you who's lo- falling in love with somebody. But most of the time we're so stuck in our negative mindset and our lack and our limitations and our fear that we don't look for her, the woman that we want to be. I always call it like Paola 2.0, you know, <laughs> Paola 2.0 exists out there, but I've I've been so busy just playing with Paola 1.0 and like being stuck with my own fears, my own self-doubt and my own lack and limitation. I think that anyone can do anything and make any anything, any of their desires possible. It's whether or not you are focusing your light of consciousness on that goal. So if you're talking to a client, Chrissy, what would be like some things that women should be on the lookout, you know, to kind of maybe start their sober journey? Like what are things that they should be like aware of? Yeah. So I think I always tell people to educate themselves because there's a lot of mis you know, misinformation, obviously, you know, that 
but just to educate yourself on, on what alcohol does to you. And that helps also make you feel better because there's a lot of science behind it when you're like, oh, I thought I, that, like what I was thinking and how I was feeling was, you know, was normal. But this, there's this drug that causes, like, for example, it causes cortisol to be put in your body and that's a stress hormone. And then if you have that on top of disruptive sleep because it interrupts your REM sleep, then the next day you might feel really bad and we might be thinking it's something else contributing to it. But if we don't remove alcohol and find out, it's hard to actually see what's going on. So I definitely say educate, get into community. So whether it's community support online or with a coach, somebody to help you because it's so much better to have support yes, than to be doing this alone. I, I began doing it alone and then I got support after I actually said I was done drinking um, because I really kind of felt a little bit lonely and that I was not sure, you know, I knew I wanted to stop drinking, but I wasn't sure how to do all this as far as like, you know, navigate things. So I think support is so crucial and the mindset component. So I've met a lot of people that are sober, but they're like still thinking alcohol does something for them. They're missing, they feel like they're missing out. And still really we've got to dig deep down in the subconscious to figure out what's going on and how to actually start changing some of our mindset shifts, the things that we're thinking, because some people, and again, I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, so always go see someone if you need it, if you really are either clinically depressed or you have something really bothersome. But oftentimes it's sometimes too the thoughts that we're thinking. If we're thinking, I'm really missing out you know, and you have that thought that makes you feel really bad, sad, anxious. And so you really have to work on some of the mindset shifts. Yeah. And, and then, you know, also to the habitual loop, right? Like, Mm. you know, if we, let's say we drink, we drink for all different reasons, you know, we drink for celebrations, we drink because we're stressed or drink because we want to relax. We want to, we drink for a lot of different reasons. Mm. And so figuring out why we drink and not to say that it's bad or you're, we should be shamed. Yeah. If we don't know what's going on, we can't simply can't change. So if we don't realize some of the autopilot. So I'll give you an example is I never thought that I was a stress drinker. Like Mm -hmm. I just thought I was a social drinker (laughs) and I had a really hard day at work. And this was early on. um, And I was walking to my car. I was so stressed and I thought a drink would be nice. I, I literally thought that. Yeah. And I didn't drink that night, but I was like, wow, okay. So when I'm in the past, I must have, when I've been really stressed, I must have drank. And so I must have done that over and over and over again. And then, you know, with alcohol being, with all the chemicals, like the massive amount of dopamine and, and just what it does with the addiction component and then the habit component, it's something that my brain just was like, yeah, you should, you should probably go do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that you said earlier that um, if you have depression that you should look for it. But honestly, like if you have depression and you're drinking alcohol, I just want to let you know alcohol is a depressant. It's not an upper, even though people think it is because you have one or two drinks and you feel happy and you want to be talking to everybody. And all of a sudden you're outside of your shell, right? You're doing things that you normally wouldn't do. But then what happens? The reason why you crash so hard is because alcohol is truly a depressant. Uh And so when, like, for example, I have so many clients 
who, you know, call me the next day and they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm so depressed. I can't fight off these negative thoughts. And, you know, I tell them, the re- did you drink the day before? Oh yeah, I, you know, I, I had this party and I just had like three or four drinks. And I'm like, that's the reason why it's so much harder to fight your negative thoughts mm-hmm. the next day because alcohol is a depressant. And so if you are trying to change your life, like if you're in this healing journey and you're trying to change your life and changing your thoughts changes your life um, and you're fighting your negative thoughts, alcohol is not is it's going to just be the fuel to your fire because it is not going to help you change your thoughts. It's going to drag you back into the darkness, into your emotional home and remind you of all the reasons why you should drink, right? And so then you like, yeah, you get stuck in that habitual loop of like, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And when you said earlier, they do a really good job of marketing this to us. Our subconscious Mm -hmm. mind has a deep, deep program to believe that alcohol is the solution to our problems. And so unfortunately, we have to challenge these thoughts that come up when you're in the habitual loop. We have to challenge them. Is it really? Because if you go through the data and the facts, and you don't even have to do scientific data, just use yourself as the, uh, what is the the word, uh, as the exhibit A, and then allow yourself to go have five or six drinks. Obviously, don't drive anywhere or have a designated driver. And then what do you like write down journal the next day? Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel alive and energy? And did you have a good night's sleep? What are the thoughts that are coming through your head? Like do an experiment. And then the following weekend, do an experiment where you don't drink alcohol and you eat healthier. And that's another thing when you're drinking, when you're hungover, all you want is a hamburger oh and french fries, oh. you know, like, yes, do an experiment and do one weekend, you know, balls to the wall. And then one weekend, just completely sober, and then have a journal. How do you feel on both weekends? And and honestly, ask yourself, do I want to live my life like losing days? Because you really lose the entire day trying to sober up, trying to like nurse your hangover. I always think about like how my father was always angry. And when he was when he would drink, he would he was a nice dad. But then when there was no alcohol, he was a bad dad. So it was this like roller coaster of emotions and you're just constantly seeking more and more and more because it is, like you said earlier, it's a drug. I do love that you said something about your thoughts. And I just wrote this down earlier because I was watching a YouTube video and I was like, oh, that is so good. We need to, I need to write that down. She said it was the best thing ever. Thoughts are not facts and emotions are not commands or directives which I love. And that's so true. When we're in the thoughts, we believe that they're facts. Like, I have to do this. This is the only thing that's going to help me from this like anxiety and stress. And emotions are not directives. And sometimes we let our emotional state, especially as females, when we go through our period or when we're going through an emotional event in our life, we tend to reach for alcohol thinking that that's the solution Mm -hmm. um, to our problem. No, and that is so true. And so I love that you said the journaling. And I I love that because part of this is like, I always tell people, just get curious. You don't have to make a decision if you want to stop drinking. You know, in fact, sometimes it's better just to take a step back and go, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get curious. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn about myself in a different way. I'm going to journal and start paying attention because when people want to change, 
you know, they're like, I want to change. I'm like, okay, well, now we've got to see what's going on in your head Mm -hmm. and see how you're feeling and what that's creating. And, you know, when we journal, we have this experience that we can really start learning about ourselves. And it can sometimes be scary, but we, in order to change, we have to learn and we have to know what's going on in our head. Yeah. And I really feel like when we drink, that there's so many chemicals, it's so hard to know what's what, right? Mm-hmm. And from my experience, I remember, you know, it, it was when I stopped drinking as much and I very rarely drank. And then I had a glass of wine, just like literally four ounces before I got in a plane. I mean, it was probably maybe an hour. I, I can't remember how, you know, the time frame until I drank until I got on a plane. I felt so depressed. And I like literally felt like I wanted to cry. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling people, they're like, oh, you probably just didn't get enough sleep. I go, well, sure, I'm sure the alcohol disrupted my sleep the night before. But I go, it was because the depressant of alcohol wore off and I didn't keep drinking to like, and I think that's the thing is that I felt it because I didn't do it for a long time. And I took note of every time that I drank, how it made me feel. And that's what got me closer to quitting. I was like, I don't feel this way anymore. It's just yeah, worth it. It isn't worth it. I And I think to myself all the times that I used to drink and like how my skin looked and how I felt my, I always felt foggy brained and um, I was lethargic and tired and just like depressed, like so depressed. All my negative thoughts were creeping in and I just, I, I hated it. I hated it. And the whole entire day, I just sat on the couch and just left, let, like, let the day go by, you know? And mm-hmm. now that I don't drink, like, I feel good. I have energy. I've lost weight. My skin looks better. Like, I just, it's a whole different world. And like you said earlier, your intuition is like so different because you're not, um, foggy brained anymore you're more alert your conscious brain is even thinking your subconscious brain like honestly like if you think about it and this is just me and my conspiracy theories (laughs) um maybe that alcohol is like the elite's way of keeping us suppressed you know because you think about it i mean not to say trump doesn't drink at all at all not one drink and this man made it to presidency not that he's like the greatest person in the world but I mean, if you think about it, like there are some people who are like I know this other guy, Russell Brunson, who's the mm-hmm. you know, the founder of ClickFunnels. He doesn't drink like and I always think about that, like the people that are like doing great in their life, they really don't drink. Right. <laughs> they're not doing drugs. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're doing other things like meditating and they're and they're out there doing great things. You know, like to me, it's just not that I'm saying the Trump is good. So people don't come for me. I'm just saying, like, if you take if you start to notice the people that are living great lives, they're not drinking alcohol. Tony Robbins does yes. alcohol, I, you know, yes. like. If you think about the people that you look up to, I really doubt like that they're just wasting their days drinking and, you know, sobering up on the couch. I recently read the book from, he's the guy from Friends, Matthew Perry. Okay, yeah. Oh, and to hear his story was so disheartening and sad and just like depressing because here's this kid who's been struggling to get on 
you know, a show and he finally gets on like the number one show in the entire universe and he couldn't get past his addiction. And it was like, he's like, everyone else was getting movies after movies and other shows and um, and they were getting book deals. And, and here I was like locked away in this million dollar mansion in Malibu, like meeting up a druggie, you know, a dealer so that he can bring me my stuff. And I was drinking a handle of alcohol. And I mean, literally listening to him and his story was so sad to know that this drug, this alcohol, these addictions can get the best of you and you're never going to fulfill your soul's calling. And his, he was a great actor and he was funny and yeah. charismatic and good looking and he had the world at his feet until his addictions got the best of him. And that's the thing. It's like our soul, our highest self knows where to go. And how you said earlier, your voice said, if you stop drinking, more doors will open for you. But that voice can't be loud and it can't be heard when you are under the influence of anything. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I also think that, you know, when we aren't living up to like our value system, right? You know, a lot of women care about their health, care about, you know, their, you know, their mental health, care about doing things in the world. And when we drink, I think it really um, just counteracts with those things that we really love and believe in. And so I think that's also why alcohol is so such a difficult thing because it's like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. You know, I would do so good during the week. I'd eat well, work out. And then the weekend would come and then some weekends I would destroy it. Mm -hmm. And that's, and you'd wake up on Monday going, cool here we go again. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be feeling great by the, you know, by Thursday, Friday. And it it's so hard to do the things you need to do, your goals. Yeah. You know, take clear to not, like you said, not feel depressed and down. Uh, yeah. And you're constantly putting your body in fight or flight mode. Yeah. Right? Like, here we are, we're going to fight all week to like and, and eat good and work out and do all the things and not eat a carb. And then on the weekend, fly. Let's just fly with the alcohol and the food, right? And so your body is just constantly, cortisol levels are going up and down, up and down. And then you wonder why you're having all these anxiety and panic attacks. It's because you are allowing your body to put go, put it under distress and then bring it out. And yeah, when you're in your 20s, it's easier. Um, but as you get older, your body is just like, no, you can't do that to me anymore. You can't abuse me the way you used to. <laughs> and I know my body's telling me. A hundred percent. And I think I'm a sensitive person, but I also think that, I mean, research says that the older we get, the longer alcohol stays in your body. So mm -hmm. why some people are like, God, I feel so bad. You know, I didn't feel like this, you know, two years ago. And I'm like, well, you know, there's actually like this, you know, this thing that happens where, you know, it's like, it, it doesn't want it in your body. It's a toxin. So it is. doesn't like to be in your body. And I just feel like, you know, in order to work on our mindset, sometimes we do need to take breaks and we do need to kind of evaluate, is alcohol serving us? And only, you know, the person could answer that question. But it's, again, not being on autopilot and, you know, taking breaks, meditating, journaling, figuring out what's going on in your head. So one, you can heal yourself, but also you can think thoughts that get you to the goals you want, the things you want, and the dreams you want. Because I'm telling you, it's such a game changer from, you know, and I wasn't like a depressed, miserable, unhappy person, <laughs> but 
But I think the one thing that alcohol and giving it up did for me is made me realize that I have different dreams and a different purpose than I actually thought I did. And I think I was playing small and I didn't realize that yeah. there was a whole other world that I might be meant to do. And and I think that's kind of the beautiful thing is that that is what sobriety has done for me. Yeah, I think it gave you clarity. Yeah, I know. And it gave you yeah. clarity. And when you are stuck in the cycle of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And you're you're in that cycle of fear instead of like loving yourself. You're in that shame and guilt. Like, oh, I feel like crap. Oh my gosh, I got to do it again. And I'm doing it again. And, and so it's like you're out of that cycle. So it gives you clarity to be able to see your life's path, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Um, as we wrap up this episode, Chrissy, what would be your nugget of wisdom for anyone who is listening or watching on YouTube? Make sure you subscribe <laughs> today. So I think, you know, a couple of my my nuggets is, you know, if if you you hear the words that you're meant for something more, if you're, you know, questioning your relationship with alcohol, you know, maybe listen, listen and, you know, just be curious, you know, just educate yourself and and I, you know, and Tony Robbins says this, you know, if we could do the things we want to do in 10 years, would we do them? You know, and I think it's so important to not give up when things get hard and get help, seek help, whether it's from a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, a coach, a community of people. You do not have to do this alone. And oftentimes we feel that we're so alone. And really, there's a ton of people on this planet. Mm-hmm. And somebody I can guarantee is dealing with something very similar. Absolutely. How can my audience find you? So you can find me. It's at Chrissy Janiga. And I, it's well, it's at C-H-R-E-S-S-Y-J-A-N-I-G-A. And I also wrote a children's book, Miranda Learns the Art of Not Fitting In. And it's on Amazon. Yes, it's on (laughs) Amazon. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and if you love this episode, make sure you hit subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review. I read every single review, and I truly appreciate the time you spend writing it. If you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual mentor, you can book a free discovery call with me at www.fearlessfemale.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at fearlessfemale underscore coach. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Fearless Female or find me on TikTok. I'm under at paola.rosser. Tune in next week. Goodbye.